Well, it was another ugly loss, but hey, at least the power play still works, right? Right? Yeah, at least there's that. There's some sunshine in a dark and cloudy game. Well, let's just hit the music and get it over with. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everyone, to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, among others. All right, let's get right into it. Today, we're going to recap the latest loss. But hey, there is some optimism in the midst of this losing streak the Ducks are on. A streak which hasn't seen them win a game in about three weeks. In fact, tomorrow, Saturday, they'll be looking for their first victory in three weeks. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. First, let's talk about, well, I want to start off trying to be a little bit positive here. So that will be my first takeaway of this. And there is optimism. Yes, they did lose badly. I mean, really, really badly. 7-3 up in Edmonton. So the reason I want to keep it positive for the first segment is because it's going to get ugly later. The power play. The power play has been good for the Ducks all season long, and that continued on the game in Edmonton. In fact, the Ducks were 2-for-3 on the power play, and they still boast one of the best power play units in the entire National Hockey League. In fact, their power play percentage is still 6th in the league, tied for fifth right up there with the Dallas Stars. So for what it's worth, they are still a top-tier power play team. Remember when their PK was also in the top five? Yeah, not so much anymore. In fact, they barely cracked the top 10 now in penalty kills. So the power play against hasn't been effective, but the power play itself in the first period, that's pretty much all it was for the Anaheim Ducks. They were getting shots on goal everything good was happening for the Ducks early on with the exception of that very first penalty 18 seconds into the game. Troy Terry got caught hooking Leon Dreisaitl. That wasn't good at all. And Anaheim had to go on the PK early on. But hey, guess what? The penalty kill worked early on. Then the power play. This is what I like about Anaheim's power play. There's a lot more movement this year than last season. The movement cross ice has been much more effective, and it's not just their first unit, it is also their second unit. The second unit with Adam Henrique has been a lot better. That other unit with Ryan Getzloff has also been very good. Now, I should point out that Ryan Getzloff was not on the lineup on Thursday night's game. He was out with the lower body injury. So, in steps a couple of other guys, like, I don't know, Max Comtois and Sam Steele. Hey, guess what? They're in. As for, as for the power play itself, uh, that first one for the Ducks came just after the PK ended. And that was Trevor Zegers drawing a penalty against Tyson Berry. So Tyson Berry goes in the box. And that first unit does get a couple of really high quality chances in there. I thought they were going to score a goal early on. I thought we were going to have the Zegers-Milano connection in that first power play. But after that first unit didn't happen for it, it was the second unit. It was Uncle Rico, Adam Henrique, the always handsome Adam Henrique, on feeds from Silverberg and Cam Fowler. This one was a slick, slick deflection. 
because this one came from the, about the point. Cam Fowler got it in there, and had him, Adam Henrique, to his credit, kept the stick on the ice. And I think it was CeCe who we just got it past because there was Fowler all alone, and there was two defensemen right there, right by Adam Henrique. CeCe was definitely one of them. And it was just a nice power play. Got it just past Mike Smith. And that opened things up, making it one to nothing. I also thought that Isaac Lundestrom was going to score early on on the PK. And then later on, right around the time of that power play. So the Ducks were really aggressive early on. Trying to get as many shots to Mike Smith as possible. Which is fantastic. The Ducks need to be that aggressive. They need to get it towards the net. Because you never know what's going to happen. So that was one nothing early on. And then, hey, guess what? Trevor Zegris, he did it again. He drew another penalty later on. This time, he drew a penalty on Darnell Nurse, who is a very good PK player. So right away, you have Tyson Berry going to the box, but then you have Darnell Nurse going to the box. And Trevor Zegris got tripped easily. And that is also the power of having Trevor Zegris on your team is not only is he good on the power play, but he's also good at drawing penalties. And Darnell Nurse, one of the best Nurse players in that family, although, you know, Darnell Nurse is good and all that, but he's not as good as Sarah Nurse. He doesn't have a gold medal draped around. I'm only kidding. Darnell Nurse, yeah, he's, he's a good player. So the Ducks go on the power play once again, thanks to Trevor Zegris. On that second power play, everything about that one was perfect. The puck movement, the battle on the boards, just everything about that was perfect. That was one of their better power play goals probably of the season where you had Trevor Zegras on the goaltenders on Mike Smith's right side. And then you had Sonny Milano in his perfect spot right along the crease. And there you, ha- there you had Sonny Milano right freaking there. He chipped the puck in from in close and... And that made it two to nothing Ducks early on. And he thought, man, if the Ducks can get more power plays, maybe this could be the start of a winning streak. That's what everybody was thinking at the time. And I don't want to talk about the rest of the game yet, but I want to focus on these two power plays. The first one, there was some movement back and forth, and then you had Cam Fowler right in the middle. Even getting it towards the net is a good thing, especially when you have great finishers like Adam Henrique, like Sonny Milano, who had missed the prior couple games. You need those finishers to make your power play as effective as possible, whether it is on deflections or whether it is a pass on the crease or whether it's a rebound. As long as you have that finisher down there, good things can happen. And those are three ways that the Ducks can score more power plays. Just get it towards the net. Deflections, rebounds, chip-ins. Those are going to be the keys to the Ducks' power play success. And it was the key to those power play successes early on in the game. That's where their bread and butter was. And then the rest of the game happened. But we'll talk about that after the first intermission and after this brief word from Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar around. And folks, my New Year's resolution is to get healthier, and Built Bar is definitely helping with that. They have 18 fantastic flavors covered in a chocolate fondue, and don't forget those Built Puffs, which are amazing, including my personal favorite, the Churro Puff. You can check out all the latest flavors at Built.com, and they have great macros. 
only 130 calories on average, only 4 grams of sugar on average, and packed with at least 17 grams of delicious protein covered in 100% chocolate. So once again, if you want to try it for yourself, head over to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, after the intermission, we're going to talk about the rest of this lousy game. We'll get to that on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez as we continue to talk about last night's bitter defeat against the Edmonton Oilers. So I'm going to try to stay positive for a little bit longer before talking about the rest of this one. I'm talking about what is wrong with the Ducks. So I mentioned the power play being a strong suit for the Ducks still. They were 2-4-3 in last night's game. Another big positive on this game is, of course, the one and only Trevor Zegras. So I want to talk about Zegras for a couple of minutes at least. Trevor Zegras, I thought, was very good on the offensive end. Did get a goal, did get an assist. He is a gifted player, and I was very happy to see that he finally got some more playing time on this game. He was much more prevalent on the power play. And we're starting to see more playing time around the middle of the game, and Coach Dallas Eakins finally, for the first time, said, you know what, let it ride, let it ride, kid, and see what happens. And honestly, he was not bad during this game. He really wasn't. He played with some aggression. He played with a little bit of smarts. Actually, a lot of smarts, to be honest. Drawing those two penalties against, that was brilliant. Drawing the one against Darnell Nurse, I thought in particular, was a great play against the Edmonton Oilers. Zegras knows where the other players are. He knows what the opposition is a lot of the time. And he knows that he can draw penalties with the best of them and use his speed and use his puck handling ability to draw those penalties. That's something he's adept at. Now, he did get an assist during that second power play goal, that nice little Zegris milano connection. By the way, do not break those two up anymore. I can't believe Dallas Eakins separated those two for a few games earlier this season. That was ridiculous. So now Milano and Zegris are back together. Woohoo! Yay! They got a goal. Yeah! And they got another goal later on. Yeah, I'm talking about that goal in the third period where Trevor Zegris had a pretty impossible angle. That goal was right on the red line, and Zegris kind of banked it in off the back of Mike Smith's mask. It was glorious. It was a thing of beauty. Those are the kind of creative plays that makes Trevor Zegras a future superstar in this league. Am I saying he's a superstar right now? He's a rookie. Let's calm down. He's only 20 years old. He's still a freshman in this league. But he's well on his way to being a superstar. He's on his way. But again, I have to slow my roll and remind everyone that he's only 20 and he's still in his technical rookie season. But I think he's a leading candidate for the Calder Trophy. I think he should at least be very close to winning it, if not winning it in general. That goal was nice. That assist was nice. Okay, I've tried to stay positive for as long as possible. We got to get to the rest of the game because I talked about the three goals. Now I got to talk about the defense. It was bad. John Gibson looked like he was ready to bust a cap. He looked not exactly happy at the fact that 
seven goals were allowed against him. It made his save percentage look worse than it should have been. He stopped 34 of 41. 41 shots? Are you kidding me? The Ducks allowed 40-plus shots again this season? Oh, here we go again. They're going back to their old habits. It's like something that we've seen in the past. Let's look at this last game. Okay, they allowed 41 shots. Okay, that really sucks. That's a lot of shots. It's not like this is a pattern. Oh, wait, this is a pattern. They've done this before. How many shots did they give up against Calgary again? Oh, 43. So for the second consecutive game, they've allowed 40-plus shots. This is something that the Ducks were doing early in the season, and it is not good. Remember that stat a while back where I talked about how the Ducks gave up so many shots early this season? Well, guess what? They're back to their old tricks, where they're giving up 40-plus goals a night. Ugh. That's disgusting, folks. In fact, look at the shots against. How many times have they allowed 40 or more shots? Let me count the ways. 45 against Vegas. 45 against Ottawa. 44 against Toronto. 43 against Minnesota. 43 against Calgary. 43 against the Canucks. 43 against the Flames. Again. 42 against the Golden Knights. 42 against Minnesota. 41 against the Oilers. 40 a couple of times versus the Canadians and the Rangers. By the way, most of those times where they allowed 40-plus shots have been losses. They lost to the Rangers. They lost to the Oilers. They got obliterated by the Minnesota Wilds. Lost to Vegas. Lost to Calgary. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. Lost to Toronto. Lost to Vegas. This is a pattern, and it is not good to see this. 12 times this season, they have allowed 40 or more shots on goal. And now it's happened twice in a row? This this isn't good, folks. Their defense is getting worse and worse as the season goes on. And I look at that stretch in late January. That was a horrific stretch. January 27th, they allowed 40 shots on goal against the Canadians. January 26th, they allowed 44 against the Maple Leafs. They allowed 45 January 29th. Yeah, three games in a row. Three games in a row, they allowed 40 or more shots, and they relied on their goaltending. That is the brunt of their problem, is their defense, and it is their inability to prevent shots on goals and making John Gibson and Anthony Stolarz look awful. That's what it is. So we'll talk more about this abysmal... Can I even describe him as that? Because there's awful, there's abysmal, there's about 50 other adjectives I could use to describe this defense. Oh, I could go on, can't I? Shot attempts are just as bad. Remember when they allowed 70... Yeah, they only allowed 60 shot attempts against the Flames. Okay, that's not so bad, right? They only allowed 61 shot attempts against Edmonton. It's a far cry from allowing 80 against the Canucks or 75 against Calgary earlier this season or 75 against the Maple Leafs or 78 against Vegas. Allowing 60 shot attempts isn't the worst thing but guys you gotta get in the middle of some shots here because the blocks have gone down the last couple of games that's also concerning you've got to get in the way of pucks you've got to protect your goalie and the ducks are just not doing that they're not protecting their goalies at all and making them look worse and if i'm john gibson i get the taser ready
All right, we're going to head into the second intermission right now. But first, let's talk about betonline.net, which is where the game starts. And with basketball approaching the All-Star break, you got some prop bets on the All-Star game. The NHL is in full swing right now. We are in the midst of a terrific season. Still a good season for the Ducks, mind you. But we're in the middle of the season And you've got all those prop bets. You've got futures bets as to who's going to win the Stanley Cup, who's going to win the Rookie of the Year, who's going to be the MVP. All of those lines are available to you at betonline.net. Yeah, and it's not just basketball. They have boxing, UFC, and also they also have podcasts and news this season. So head to the website today, either on your mobile device or on your tablet or laptop, Go to betonline.net right now because it's where the game starts. And BetOnline is the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to show number 485 of Locked On Anaheim Ducks. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez and my puppy Daisy over here. Say hi to everyone, Daisy. Yep, she's a little shy right now. Anyway, um, this is the part of the program where I try to look at the big picture a little bit. It's the end of the week. The Ducks haven't won in a few weeks. It's hard to stay positive when you haven't won in that long. And it's even harder to stay positive when you've allowed 40-plus shots in consecutive games. That's not a formula for victory it just isn't allowing john gibson to be left out to dry out there is not good for team morale i guess the only positive thing i could say is looking ahead the ducks at least have the vancouver canucks on saturday night so maybe that's a positive vancouver has cooled off a little bit since their initial winning streak with bruce boudreau taking over the reins as coach however vancouver is only three points behind the ducks The Ducks right now are at 55 points. The LA Kings have 55 points, but they have three games in hand. Edmonton has catapulted themselves. They've won four in a row all of a sudden, and they're third in the division, 57 points. Vegas is at 59. Calgary's at 62. So we kind of have to ask ourselves a little bit, is this the regression that people were figuring would happen? You know, I heard all these pundits saying, when are the Ducks going to come back to Earth? When are the Ducks going to fall back to Earth? When are they going to realize that the Ducks are not a top-tier team? When When is it going to happen? Maybe this is it. Maybe this is happening right now. This could be the regression that a lot of sports writers are talking about when they said, oh, the Ducks are playing out of, they're playing above their level. They're still a good team, okay? And also keep in mind, they're still rebuilding, You can be a good team and still be rebuilding. In fact, the rebuild has been accelerated because of the fine play of players like Trevor Zegras. Jamie Drysdale has been left out to dry. He's had some not-so-good moments, but he's had some good moments this season as well. So you cannot be all doom and gloom just yet. There are still 31 games left in the season. I mean, you could be a little bit doom and gloom because Dallas Eakins is still the coach of the Anaheim Ducks right now. But hey... Look at it this way. There's a new general manager, and there's 31 days until the trade deadline. I would expect the Ducks could make some moves, but at this point of the season, what do you do if you're the Ducks? Would you rather try to make a playoff push 
Or would you rather sell off some of those assets? Or no, better yet, would you rather sell off these players with expiring contracts and pick up some draft picks? Do you want to maybe take on a little bit of salary for like one season? I mean, the Ducks could do that. They could take on an expiring contract from a team that wants to dump contract, right? And they can get some picks out of it as well. So there's that. Also, also, keep in mind that this draft class is among the best in recent memory. So it wouldn't be a bad idea for the Ducks to possibly think about getting some first round picks. Who could they trade to possibly get those first round picks? Well, that remains to be seen, to be honest. So, yeah, let's try to stay positive. Like, let's let's not go skies falling yet. I know the last couple of games have been awful where they've allowed 13 goals in two games. That's not good. Their offense isn't the main issue here. I, I have no problem with the offense. The power play is fine. It's the defense. The defense needs a lot of work. And Greg Patteron isn't exactly going to help out here. Greg Patteron was out there on a lot of goals against. He did not have a good game. I mean, you're not going to bring back Jacob Larson. Look, the Jacob Larson experiment, for all intents and purposes, did not work in Anaheim. Now, I did mention in yesterday's Locks on Goals that Jacob Larson is doing fine in San Diego. Maybe he's just one of those players that can be a key defensive player for San Diego. And he does fill a role with the goals, and it's a very good one. So maybe that's what he is. He's a top defensive player in the American Hockey League. That's what he is. Maybe Greg Patteron is that same way. Maybe Greg Patteron is a top defensive player that could stay in the AHL. And that's that's not a bad thing. That's not necessarily the worst thing in the world to have veteran leadership on the defensive pairings in the AHL because it does help develop some of the younger defensemen. So there's that. But who could the Ducks possibly bring in to improve their defense? I mean, Simon Benoit is right there. I mean, I know Cam Fowler is doing his thing. Josh Manson is hurt. I mean, that's a big, big one. Having him hurt right now hurts the Ducks big time. So I guess we could see plainly right now where the lack of depth is, and it's on defense. So maybe he'll come back soon. Maybe he'll right the ship. I don't know. I don't know, but we'll we'll see coming up. All right, I mentioned the Ducks do have a game over the weekend, and that is a weekend tilt against the Vancouver Canucks. That could be a fun game. The Ducks could savage two points out of this road trip. That's a 7 o'clock Pacific start in Vancouver. That game will be on Bally Sports SoCal and also Bally Sports San Diego. So, hey, San Diego gets their own broadcast. After that, they face the San Jose Sharks back at home finally. And next Friday, whew, a week from today, at the Ponda, the Los Angeles Kings are coming to town. That could be a massive, massive game to see which team which team would be sellers, which one could be not as much sellers. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. That'll do it for this week's podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate all of you that listen every day. You guys are all very awesome. Don't forget that this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, among others. My personal Twitter is at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. And if you follow my personal Twitter, I'll be doing public address tonight and 
over the weekend. So I'm going to give this little plug here. If you're in the SoCal area and you want to watch some junior hockey, there's the USPHL taking place in Ontario, California. I do public address for the Ontario Junior Reign. So if you guys want to check that out, there's a game tonight. There's a game tomorrow night. And there's a game Tuesday night as well. So if you want to come down say what's up, you could check me out at the Ontario Junior Reign doing the public address. So I'll be having fun doing that. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to my boy Steve Granado. Today's his last episode of Locked on Angels. And the reason I mention him now is because he also works for the Ontario Junior Reign. And today's his last show on Locked on Angels. So, you know, thanks, Steve, for covering the Angels for the last few months. You're an awesome and good luck on your future endeavors. And hopefully we'll go out with a bang tonight and tomorrow. So, yeah, if you want to come visit myself or Steve. So, yeah, the hosts of the Locked on Anaheim shows, Locked on Angels, Locked on Ducks, will both be there this weekend, Friday, Saturday. So, yeah, definitely check out those games if you're in the area in Ontario, Center Ice Arena. So, come check that out. All right. Uh, also, also, don't forget to make Locked on Ducks your first listen of the day and make Locked on Bets your second listen of the day with your boy Q and also check out locked on NHL. They have daily Olympic coverage up to early next week where we're going to be talking about women's hockey and men's hockey. Yeah. So that's hosted by Erica Ayala. It's a lot of fun. Go check them out. All right. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. It is greatly, greatly appreciated for locked on Anaheim ducks. I'm Jason JD Hernandez saying, have a great rest of the weekend. Please continue to be safe out there. Be kind to one another and ducks fly together.